Hello and welcome to Inside Intercom. I'm Liam Geraghty. Today, our guest is customer service expert Marilyn Suttle. Marilyn is a best-selling author of books like Who's Your Gladys? How to Turn Tough Customers into Vocal Advocates and Color Their World, The Art of Creating Strong Customer Loyalty. On today's episode, we're going to hone in on something that's affecting a huge amount of us, burnout and attrition. We recently published the Intercom Customer Support Trends Report and found that there's been an increase in both for teams. A significant 64% of support leaders say their team have felt burned out in the past 12 months. In our conversation today, Marilyn offers really useful insights into employee well-being as well as life-work integration. We chat about what organizations can do to support this, what the pillars of employee well-being actually are, and Marilyn offers some great advice around de-stressing and mindfulness. It's a conversation that more of us should be having with each other. So without further ado, let's head over to studio to meet Marilyn Suttle. Marilyn, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here with you, Liam. Um, So just before we get into it, could you tell us a little bit about your journey so far, how you got to this point? Well, I spent a year and a half interviewing the best of the best in customer service, all the way from Singapore Airlines to local companies in my own hometown. And from those interviews, created a book through American Management Association. And really from there, full force forward to look at what does it take to have a sustainable culture of customer service. And a big part of that is another branch of my background, which is well-being and success principles, which I've studied at great length. So I've combined the two because if you don't have well-being among your employees, they're going to burn out, especially with today's climate of customers. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just before we get on to that, even something I read in your background was that one of the things you did was you were a human potential trainer. And I love the idea of that. Yes, yes. I worked with, oh, back, this is back in 2000. It was the beginning of the journey there. And one of my mentors was Jack Canfield, the chicken soup for the soul guy. And I ended up being a trainer on his stages um, over time really diving in. I ended up on the National Speakers Association, the whole speaking circuit internationally. And the focus there was how do you handle the emotional aspect of people? And so I've got my coaching background and I also really got, well, I had seven years as a well-being article writer for a newspaper. So I got to really dive into that. Then a national brand had me as their success coach for women for seven years and I did blogs and podcasts for them around how to stay resilient when you're under pressure. Wow. So you are exactly the person I need to talk to today <laughs> for today's topic, which, like you mentioned, is about employee well-being and, and life work integration. And something, I, I suppose, that came up recently in, in Intercom's own you know, customer support trends report for 2022. One of the top five trends was increased team burnout and attrition. Mm. And, you know, 64% of support leaders say their team have felt burned out in the past 12 months. So, Marilyn, it seems to me like there has never been a time where this has been more relevant and crucial than right now. It's so true. And a big part of that is because of how human beings react 
to uncertainty. And man, have we been in uncertainty for a couple mm. of years here. People are more comfortable in an uncomfortable situation than they are in an uncertain situation. And so we've got both. <laughs> and it's definitely affecting how employees feel in their work, how the productivity they have. As a matter of fact, I just saw just yesterday, uh, Gail had a, a stat out that a burned out employee is two and a half, more than two and a half times more likely to be actively seeking a different job. So it's wow. an important topic. I, I suppose, like like you mentioned, you know, COVID has changed so many things, you know, around this and our attitude towards it. Like, how do you think it has changed, you know, that that attitude? Like, you know, like you say, you know, we're more comfortable being uncomfortable about it than the, the uncertainty, you know, which is a great way of putting it. It's true. And our and customers have gotten more difficult. The, the expectations, it's all about, you know, an upset customer is a customer who had an expectation that isn't being met. And the expectations today can be, some people say, completely unreasonable or so high that a company cannot possibly meet it. The shortage of staff has made it you know, there's delays in materials. There's so many things that make the customer go, wait, that's not what I expected. Mm-hmm. And to manage expectations takes a great deal of not only tactical skill, but emotional resilience and skill. It's like yeah. knowing what to say because words matter. Yeah, 100%. And I suppose that kind of feeds into then how employees are actually feeling about that and reacting to that, and I suppose their well-being. So for you, like what is employee well-being and what can organizations do to support it? That's a great question. If you think about well-being, some people would call that a sense of ease or peace of mind or flourishing or even happiness. But whatever you call well-being, you know how it feels when you're feeling it. Yeah. And when employees don't have that sense of well-being, it affects their productivity, it affects their teamwork, it affects their interactions with customers. So what I've done to help support companies is I created a variety of programs. And we've done things like I did a six-week course just recently with 700 employees on Zoom, and we did the happy class. And each session was a session on well-being, resilience, mindset, Optimism. And optimism is a funny thing because this is one of the three keys to success in your work. But people hear the word optimism and they think, oh, pie in the sky, you're going to be unrealistically <laughs> optimistic. That just makes me sick to say it. Right. But <laughs> my favorite definition of optimism is, and it comes from a, a leadership book. I, I, I wish I could think of the author, but he says, optimism is seeing a better and brighter future and taking action to create it. That last part's really important. And so, and uh, John Gordon, the name just came to me, (laughs) is being able to see that things can improve and being willing to take the actions to improve it. And so there are things, you know, there's things you could do. There's, in in the workplace, you've got career well-being, but you also have a really strong need for social support. We've been isolated due to COVID. We've been completely isolated in many ways. Either you're working from home, you're not seeing your friends, you're not taking the vacations you used to take. So the sense of isolation is very hard. That's why they put prisoners in in, uh, isolation as like a big punishment. Mm. It's very stressful. So creating in the workplace a sense of social support, 
where you can gain some skills, gain some practice. Because, you know, when you think of well-being, it's not a skill, it's a practice. And if you stop practicing it, it's not like riding a bike. You lose it. You have to really practice it to keep it. Right. So, uh, I mean, you, you're talking about kind of these important pillars of employee well-being. Uh, I suppose I usually think of things like purpose or physical well-being. What are the kind of pillars, I suppose, that we, we should be looking at? Well, physical well-being is definitely one of them. And, you know, in, in some of my programs, I'll just say, okay, right now, notice your physical well-being and how you sit at your computer all day. Are you crunched over? Are your hands all crimped up? You know, what would it look like? If your body was in a state of well-being, how would you have to move things around? And people start laughing, saying, oh, I'm moving right now. <laughs> because we have to, it's not good for our bodies to be crumpled up like that. And there's so many things, like simple things like that, that if you just look at the physical body, and that's something that can be encouraged and shared and part of initiatives in the workplace. There's also, of course, your your career well-being, where people want to feel like their work matters. They want to be appreciated for good work. They want to know that there's room to grow. Like, And here's the big thing, and I love this. Harry Cohen, Dr. Harry Cohen, talks about being the sun, not the salt. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? As a leader, <laughs> think about a plant sitting on a windowsill. The leaves will naturally lean toward the sun because the light sun is life-giving. But if you pour salt water into the plant, the roots will recoil away because the salt water is life depleting. And much like that, as a leader, we could be the sun or the salt with our employees. We can be a positive energizer or a negative energizer. You know, we can see mistakes as tuition toward your education in a form of accelerated learning, or we can make mistakes be something to be really afraid to share and go under underground with because it's, you might lose your job. So as leaders, I think part of these these pillars is to really learn themselves and model what it, well-being looks like in the workplace. And I, I, I suppose that is really crucial, I suppose, especially for company leaders to be kind mm -hmm. of involved in that discussion, that it's not just something that kind of, you know, we're maybe having a workshop about, you know, you know, that it's something that is permeating throughout from the top. Absolutely. It's the culture. It's the, this is the way we do things is like, like the culture. I like that phrase. This is the way we do things. And then if you ask employees, is that the way we really do things? They're going to be like, not even close. So we want to align the whole idea of this is the way we do things. And one big pillar is around stress because stress is so high. Mm. And there's actually two kinds of responses to stress. And if a manager understands this, they could really support their employees in being their best. So the two types of responses to stress is either the threat response, which is, you know, fight, flight, or freeze. And freeze will mean procrastination, or flight means you're looking for another job, or fight means you're going to just be, you know, pushed back and aggravated with the people you work with. So we don't want the threat response. We want the challenge response. And what that is, is we see stress as a challenge. Now, if you think about the Olympics that's going on right now, those athletes see stress as a challenge that they can win and overcome. It's exciting. And when you're in the challenge response, you go into focus and flow. Have you ever been there where like you're so wrapped up in what you do, an hour goes by and you didn't even notice it? That's the best feeling. 
And so we want to create a culture where people go into the challenge response, not the threat response. But to do that, there's a responsibility to create environments where initiatives are taking place to support their physical well-being, their emotional well-being. And a sense of social support is so needed. So having all of those in place are really important. I love the comparison to the the Olympic athletes there because it, it just it just makes so much sense. It's such a challenge. It's so difficult for them, but it's it's one that they are attempting to rise to. And so rewarding when they get there. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose like, because it is, you know, like the American Psychological Association survey from last year, stress in America 2021, said that people are experiencing their highest levels of stress since the beginning of COVID. And, you know, mm-hmm. showing a lot of stress related symptoms, poor sleep habits, increased alcohol consumption. Yeah. And I think one in five surveyed workers say their mental health was worse than it was last year than it was in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. So I, I suppose I'd like to talk about some things employees themselves can do that you mentioned a bit around de-stressing and mindfulness. I know one of them for me is is trying to anyway, to let go of the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, especially the p- aspect of the phone where you're comparing yourself to other people on Instagram, or you're looking at beautiful pictures of people's picture perfect life on Facebook that nobody really has, but it's the image that we see because people aren't going to share the parts where they're having a a fitful night's sleep and they're angry at their spouse or all those things. They don't show that aspect. So when we compare ourselves to this unrealistic picture and we're on our phones all the time, yeah, that's going to take an emotional toll. So here's the thing people can do right away is to notice what your habits are and then adjust those habits to you ask yourself, are these unhappiness habits or happiness habits? Or you could call it well-being habits, unhappiness or well-being habits or not. And some of those are like laying in bed at night, flicking through TikTok over and over again <laughs> until two in the morning. It, it's it, We're looking for a distraction from our own minds. So one practice is breathing, like really just being mm. fully present in the moment. And I remember hearing this breathing thing and I was like, oh, give me a break. That's just, <laughs> don't tell me to breathe 10, 10 seconds, count 10 seconds, that, that kind of thing. But here's this, I interviewed a doctor around this and here's why breathing will help restore well-being. When you're tense and stressed, you've got all these stress hormones going on and the frontal cortex of your brain, the, the thinking reasoning part, it shuts to the blood flow to that area, slows down and all your blood flow goes to fight and flight. So when you breathe slowly and deeply, your body says, wait a minute, stressed bodies don't breathe slowly and deeply. So it changes the chemical of, you know, from the cortisol to the good chemicals, the feel good chemicals. And when you count, you reactivate, it's like rebooting the computer, you reactivate your logic centers. So it's a simple thing. It's almost so simple, it's cliche, but it really does work. And one of the best ways, to be fully present and mindful is to savor the moment so that you savor what is it you are enjoying in this particular moment. Taste the coffee, feel how nice and warm you feel when it's cold outside. Look around and notice the color of your wall that you painted. You really like that color. We 
so dismiss the things that used to bring us pleasure that are all the way around us. And if you just savor it for like one minute or even less, you're going to restore yourself to a good feeling. I, I love that idea of it almost like turning it on and off again. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's such a, it's something we use all the time, you know, in technology that fixes things. And obviously we can, it's kind of like a, a, a human version of that. But, and, and also on that, I, I suppose taking a walk, I, I know it's funny when we talk about these things, they just sound so like simple, but like, also we just don't do them. A lot of mm-hmm. people just don't do them a lot, but certainly something that I find works when I, I can't figure out you know, a problem, you know, is just taking a walk and not thinking about it. Absolutely, because it it shifts your mood. And this is where you can't think of what to do when you're in the middle of this need for distraction. When you're in the middle of stress, it's really hard to come up with your list. So making a list of things like take a walk outside, pet your, your dog, take a healthy food and eat an apple, get, you know, Think of three things that you appreciate right now. What are you grateful for? Be kind. Do an act of kindness because research shows that when you do something kind for somebody, it comes back tenfold. And I'll tell you, I was doing a class recently over Zoom and a man said that he still has a letter that his first boss wrote to him thanking him for the good job he did years ago. And he said, that meant so much to me that I've kept it all these years. Wow. And I, I suppose it's almost like a self-awareness, isn't it? Huge, huge thing. Because here's the thing with self-awareness. You're in a stressful situation and there's the facts of the situation, the story you tell yourself about this situation. And we tend to be more focused on the story we tell ourselves than the facts. And we can blow those up. And every action we take is based on the feelings we have based on our story. So we need to challenge our stories when we're saying, this is the worst day I could ever have. Is it true? Even asking yourself, is that true? Is there a way that maybe that's not true? (laughs) You start to (laughs) challenge it and you start to say, okay, wait a minute, maybe I'm blowing this out of proportion. (laughs) (laughs) I, I suppose another thing you speak about in your class, the happy class, is about around judgments, acceptance, and choice. Where do they come into play in all of this? Well, this is huge because we all have values. And when somebody violates a value of ours, it's like we judge it so harshly. And it's even for ourselves, for example, when, when we do something, we wish we hadn't done that. We're disappointed in ourselves. We feel guilt. Mm-hmm. And what is guilt? Guilt is having an expectation of how we should have been that we have failed to be like. And so it's, we feel guilt. And then resentment is on the other side of the coin. Resentment is thinking they should have been doing something differently. It violates my values. I would never ask for more than that. And they asked for more than that. So now you're like, Ping. Uh, and so really stepping back and saying, is it okay for them to be different than me? So we're not taking it personally. You know, it's that emotional self-awareness. And then if we're feeling guilty about something because we ate potato chips and pizza and you know whatever we did to numb out and now we're feeling guilty the thing to say is okay you could either what will i do differently next time can i forgive myself and make new choices yes and if if it's something you did to someone you yelled at someone then can i make amends you, you, there's always a solution so being solution focused instead of 
problem focused is a really big shift that makes a huge difference. Yeah, and the thing I liked about that is is that it's really applicable to all those situations. You know, the the, the pizza one I'm I'm familiar with, um, <laughs> but but also within work and with with dealing with with people. Do we use happiness as a motivator as much as we should? We tend to use unhappiness as a motivator, and it doesn't really work, does it? It's like, <laughs> it's like, and, and then it's, let's just say, because this is such a classic example, if your kid's unhappy, I'm going to be unhappy, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. And so for me to be happy, I have to be unhappy because you're unhappy. But all that does is create a cycle of unhappiness. If I can be calm and present in the face of somebody who's unhappy, then I can be the mirror that they reflect as opposed to me reflecting back their stress. Right. It's a really powerful thing. If you just think if you go to the dentist and you're dent and you're nervous and you're you're white knuckling it and your dentist picks up on your fear and your stress, you wouldn't want that dentist working on you. But <laughs> the dentist is like, it's okay. I can you can feel your feelings. I'm okay with that. And in this stress-filled world, if you can keep yourself in a state of composure and calm and not judge that the other person is upset, so I have to be, or I'm a bad person, then what you're actually going to do is help that stressful person to rise up to your level of awareness at the moment or your level of calm. It's, we, we tend to just naturally mirror each other's emotions and we want to break that cycle because we're surrounded by a lot of stressed people. <laughs> Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with Intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode 1 is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt-or-die moment. It's inevitable that... All businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. In this post-AI world, new companies will rise. Old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully too. I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service. And it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. It's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right, and see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. One thing I was wondering about was the kind of the future of employee well-being, because I suppose like we've been talking about it for a, a long time and it seems to kind of have really come to the fore now, you know, more than ever. Like it, it feels like we've been talking about it, you know, as, as we definitely needed it, but like now we really, really, really need it. So what is the future of it, do you think? Well, I think that the companies that are going to survive, and I'm seeing this already with a lot of the companies I'm working with, they're taking this very seriously. They're doing 
uh, surveys of their employees to see, you know, what kind of things can we provide for you to help with your well-being? They're putting initiatives together. They're bringing programs together and they're changing their culture to include that, which is a very different where that you know, before it's like well-being. Oh, you do that on your own time. Problem is we're integrated. Work and life is integrated and it's never going back. We're always going to have this sense of, you know, people got really comfortable working from home and it's going to be hybrid. And to be successful, we need to embrace how to create a culture of well-being. And so that's that's the direction. The, the ones that are going to survive and thrive in the future really need to hold on to. And that's so interesting because I suppose, like you say, you know, we now have this hybrid system, which for a a huge amount of people is absolutely fantastic. It's kind of transformed, you know, their way of working and, and they really enjoy it. But I suppose it then has brought some other kind of issues with it around the kind of work life balance that I, I suppose we just need to be aware of and, and, and looking into. Absolutely. People are, it wasn't even on their radar. And now people are like, oh, I'm more productive. Some people, not everybody, I'm more productive at home. My husband, he works three days in the office and two days at home now. And it's, he loves it. You know, it's kind of the best of both worlds for him. And the other aspect is really looking at what is the temperature of your people, your service providers. And if you go on to any of the social media sites, a real popular meme, not meme, but activity people are doing on like TikTok is Purge Day. Have you heard of Purge Day? No, I haven't. What What is Purge Day? Purge Day, there's a million and one skits on Purge Day. And it's where an employee is allowed to say and do anything they want without any repercussion. It's not something you'll ever do, (laughs) but it's just a fun release where you get to hear, you know, you get to say the things you would never say. Right. Okay. (laughs) And we also, you know, the other thing is we have to train customers to be more respectful. I think we went so far in exceeding expectations and wowing. And, you know, if you complain, I'll give you everything free. And that's not viable for some companies. So we have to manage the customer's expectations and, you know, this is a social media world where some people are walking into businesses with their camera on ready for a confrontation because it gives them social clout. You know, mm. so we've got all these different variety of people and motivations. Yeah. So never has there been a time where the emotional intelligence and the social skills have been more important. Just before we wrap up, Marilyn, just want to ask you, what, what's next? Do you have kind of any plans or projects for 2022? <laughs> I do. Uh, well, you know, I have three books right now and I'm working on my next one. And it's all going to be based on here's a situation. Here's what you can say. And here's why. Because there's being nice is not enough. Being friendly is not enough. You need to know the interactions that will sometimes you have a customer or you have an employee and you're saying everything right you're saying all the logical facts and they become even more angry like what just happened yeah and what happened is you haven't acknowledged the emotional component you haven't validated their feelings you haven't acknowledged where they are right now so you meet them where they are to take them where you want to go and if you don't meet them where they are I always refer to like when you turn on the shower in the morning, 
cold prickly water comes out. And if you let it run, the warm water will flow. Same when somebody vents or they're upset. If you let them vent and say what they feel, we're always afraid it's going to make things worse. No, once they feel heard, then the warm feelings start to flow and they're more receptive to having a good conversation. I love that. So we'll be on the lookout for that book. And so lastly, just where can our listeners go to keep up with you and your work? Um, they can go to my website at marylinsubtle.com. That's M-A-R-I-L-Y-N. Subtle is S-U-T-T-L-E.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. Excellent. Will we find you on TikTok doing any purging? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> That's <not> my style. <laughs> Marla, thank you so much for talking with me today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Marilyn Subtle, and I think it's a conversation that's worth sharing. And if you think so too, share with a friend or your colleagues. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Okay, that's it for today. I'll be back next week with another episode of Inside Intercom. This is Inside Intercom. Inside Intercom.